Do you consider yourself to be an emotionally strong person? Maybe you feel like you deal with difficult circumstances well. Well, let me ask you this. Are you strong enough to admit when you need help? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Resilient Journey podcast sponsored by ClearRisk. I'm your host, Mark Hoffman, and today we start an important and deeply personal conversation with Luke Bird on the topic of mental health and personal resilience in the face of a life-changing crisis. Luke is a global award-winning continuity and resilience professional and global board director for the BCI. He's also someone who recently experienced a mental health crisis after the sudden and unexpected loss of a sibling. This is a special two-part episode that you're going to want to share across your network. Part one of this incredible conversation starts in 30 seconds after we hear this from ClearRisk. Navigating changes in the risk landscape can be daunting without access to the right tools. ClearRisk's centralized risk management solution streamlines the process of data collection and analysis helping customers make impactful decisions and focus on big picture initiatives. ClearRisk provides a highly configurable, easy to use solution that gives our customers the confidence to inform decision-making and proactively optimize risk in their organizations. Effective risk management begins with data you can trust. Learn more at clearrisk.com. Luke, welcome to the podcast. Before we get into your very fascinating and deeply personal story, tell us a little bit about yourself professionally. Hey, Matt. Thanks for the opportunity to to come on your your, your new channel. Um, I'm actually excited to be a part of it and and talk about yet another important topic that you've been covering with your gender diversity and um, just uh, racial equality and those sort of things that you've covered in the last couple of podcasts. This is becoming a bit of a flagship for important issues to discuss. So appreciate the opportunity. Also, while I think about it, I can't go on without congratulating you on your recent global award. Um, Well done to you, sir, because, I mean, we've not met before, but I've been following you. Sounds kind of weird. But uh, and, you you know, you're an asset to the professional community and we're lucky to have your content. So thank you for that as well. Thank you. That's kind of you. And I didn't take that in a stalker kind of creepy way at all. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, okay. Well, for those of the people that are, are listening um, and don't know me, my name's uh, Luke Bird. I'm one of the um, elected global directors of the Business Continuity Institute's Global Board. Um, I'm a fellow of the same institute and I'm a global award winner as well of the same institute. Uh, I help out as well on the BCI Scotland chapter committee as well to help organize events uh, with the chair there. And my day-to-day job is I work in continuity and resilience in financial services as well. But for fun or hobby or, you know, it depends how you look at it. I'm, I'm an avid researcher, blogger, translator of, of all things resilience. So I, I really, really enjoy it. So whether it's blogs, conferences, podcasts, I've I've been consuming them and presenting all of them for the better part of 10 years now. And it's where I spend a lot of my, my spare time when I'm, I'm not having fun with my kids or uh, watching my football team lose. Uh, <laughs> you know, other than that. But yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Um, but as I said before, it's, uh, it's really good to be speaking with you. I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Well, I'm grateful. I mentioned to you before we started recording how flattered I am that 
you asked me to to help with this important story and we're going to talk in the next two episodes we're going into this knowing this is a two-part episode and we're going to focus on mental health in the continuity and resilience industry specifically addressing a question i know you've asked and that is what happens if the continuity professional can't continue it's such an important question and i know that it comes from a deeply personal space for you and i really appreciate you being willing to speak open openly about it and for sharing your experience so that maybe somebody else could be helped by hearing your story so let me say this and i've told you this privately and i'll say it here on the episode this is a perfectly safe space if you don't like a question or if i cross a line say so and we'll stop and we'll move on Thanks, Mark. I appreciate that. It's very kind of you. Um, I think what I'd like to do first, if that's okay, I'd like to kind of set my stall out and kind of go almost a touch autopilot, first of all, because I have a habit of rambling and, and going off topic a little bit. So I, particularly with this topic, I want to get the message absolutely right. So if you're okay with that, I kind of, of would like to introduce like a, an initial pitch. Okay, cool. Well, so let me start by saying it's it's important before we dive into my recent experience that the whole driver for coming forward and sharing is because I believe the topic of mental health in our professional community really needs further attention. Uh, it's it's something that's been bugging me even before what I personally went through. I, I, re I read recently that in the World Health Organization that back, back in 2017, that there'd been a marked increase, like something like 14% increase in globally reported mental health issues. And that was before the pandemic. And even during my time on the board, you know, I've had conversations with individuals that are, um, they're, they're still running COVID-based incident reporting whilst getting on with their day job, whilst in lockdown, uh, with the, all the added anxieties and pressures that come with job security in that space. Add to that, the, um, there was a, a group of BCI members that recently released an, an emotional impact assessment sort of survey, and they, they sent out the findings, which was fascinating if you get the time to see. I mean, in terms of the data grouping, it was predominantly men, um, which unfortunately I think is at the moment in the membership community is, is that's a representative, um, which is something we're obviously trying to address. But... It revealed some pretty worrying statistics about the stress and anxiety amongst the professional community. I haven't really read anything like that before. And I had had conversations in my role as a board member, as an elected board member, from, uh, from people who told me their experiences. And then I've listened to people like James Green, for example, who, you know, uh, is very prolific on about 42 different podcasts and, and <laughs> web channels. And yeah. he... he um, he he was covering some time ago about the surprising number of job losses in the US during COVID. And, and I'd also written a piece about how many of the businesses are looking at their initial response to COVID and thinking that actually BC wasn't a part of it um, in the initial response. So that may have devalued the whole thing. So there's a lot of insecurity, anxiety, stresses in what is a profoundly stressful time as well. And then to, to, to put that to one side, and then, like, you think about the type of person that is perceived to be doing this type of job. So, I mean, I'll look at it from my own perspective, right, Mark? We've got, from the beginning of my career, 
the continuity pros were were always meant to be or always seemed to be like a safe pair of hands for the business. They were someone who was well adjusted to the height and pace of urgency and stress that sort of typically for me in the UK, that's mostly been retired or semi-retired military or emergency services personnel. Okay. I've, I've typically found um, these are the folks that have sort of thought to have really seen some bad stuff happen and they're thought to have the broad shoulders to take it. And I've that that's maybe given some level of comfort to the boardroom. I, I don't know, but it always seems to me someone that they that could put their arm around a, a quivering senior leader in an unknown situation and to, to, to make them feel safe to make a decision. But the reality is that each and every one of us are human beings. You know, we've all got life and stuff going on, bills to pay, loads of stressors. Even during the pandemic, I actually, I, I, heard, I heard this phrase, I've seen this meme somewhere saying, stop saying we're all in the same boat because we're not. We're all in the same storm, but different boats. And obviously, that just means that we've got different stuff going on. You know, life life is tough day to day, not without COVID. And I, and I think this profession, we can sometimes like ignore or even hide that because it's in the nature of what we do. So I believe we need to start having this conversation more and more about what actually happens when the continuity professional can't continue um, and the more I thought about it as going through my experience, the more I've wanted to, to share this. So I'm truthfully very glad of the opportunity uh, to be on the channel to talk about this. I really appreciate it, Mark. But that's my that's my initial pitch. I hope I sent my stall out. No, I, I appreciate that. And so let's set some context here then, because you recently experienced some severe mental health issues. So explain what happened and uh, sort of Go ahead and set that context, and then we'll start to dig into the specifics of it. Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> I'll start by saying, first of all, as, as before this, that I've always sympathized with those working through mental health issues. It's always looked like, inexplicably tough uh, to, to watch people go through it. And I was asked if it was okay from a family member about this and I got the okay. But from a young age, I actually grew up with a family member very close to me who was a a young single parent who was actually agoraphobic and meaning they're scared of unfamiliar environments. And there was at the point they were scared to leave their own bedroom and they had a young child. I said they also suffer from severe anxiety and depression. So I spent a lot of my adolescence supporting that family member in a however way I could. Um, I really thought I had a good awareness of mental health, but the truth is I've come to realize you, you can't really appreciate what someone's going through in their own personal experience. And it's when what happened to me recently, it kind of altered my perspective a little bit. So out of the respect to my family, I kind of want to keep the background of what happened to a, to a high level. But whilst it's the trigger for my experience, I do want to focus on the the discussions to be the recovery pathway because that's where I feel people can benefit from most but you know that being said the short story is we as a family experienced this year the sudden and unexpected loss of one of my siblings which unbeknownst to me uh, triggered some pretty seriously repressed emotions and feelings that I had no idea that I had it was a pretty scary experience so out of nowhere, 
I started to almost sequence through a series of really raw feelings off the back of it that I just couldn't control. And it was kind of like a like a three, four hour cycle day after day that began to feel made me begin to feel like I was kind of emotionally unstable um, because it wasn't like my immediate thoughts were controlling my reactions. It was something almost like chemical or physical response that was, was out of my control. So it was a really scary period. So yeah, unfortunately with my sibling passing away um, really, really unexpectedly um, that, that triggered some, some heavy stuff that then made me have this completely out of control reaction, which, you know, I, I just it sent me on this path to thinking and talking and writing about it that I want other people to to take something from hopefully so there's a, a few things there that you said now I want to go back and just add to the context so this happened in the summer yeah it did so we're at the time of this recording approximately six months have passed ish something like that yeah, yeah. Um, and you have made some remarkable progress. We're going to get into that in a minute, but to tag on to something you said right at the end, it's exactly why we're doing this because we want people to understand that it's okay to not be okay. And from time to time, we're all not okay. Um, we all put that game face on, don't we? We all put the mask on. So, you're here on the podcast maskless and I, I just really appreciate it. So I want to go back to these three or four hour cycles that you talked about. You said, I, I think you said there were like three different emotions that were just dominating you. Was it like sort of three to four hours of one emotion followed by three to four hours of another emotion? How did that work? Talk about what the emotions were and, and how that treated you. Yeah, um, just a, the, it's been really strange to really explain this to anybody else, especially as I'd never really gone through this before myself, completely alien to me. Um, so yeah, on, there, was, there was three core feelings that occurred to me really in extreme, so, uh, extreme versions of the feelings. In, in a window of about three or four hours, I would jump from one to the next uh, and then the, the cycle would repeat and it went on for three or four days. It was utterly exhausting. And I foolishly tried to, to, to carry on in my day to day and, you know, do my best at home and manage my team at work. And it was, it was really difficult. So the first feeling that occurred at the very first time is really, really bizarre. And I never felt it before. I remember sitting down in my chair and I just felt heavy. Like I just felt like this real heavy numb sensation. Like I was, I had this invisible rope around me and, and I was carrying like a whole crate of bricks piled up behind me. Like I was everything you've got to think, to breathe, to move. It was just heavy numbness that was there. Um, it, it was a very, very unusual and alien experience. And then once that, that occurred and it wasn't being driven by the thoughts in my head, it was just happening to me. And then that was followed by like completely the opposite end of the spectrum. It was this deep internal rage. Like I was really angry about even the most really basic and really inoffensive things. Like I remember having a conversation with one person that was saying something completely like 
you know, inoffensive, bland, just everyday chat. And I wanted to scream in their face. I was just had this risk firing me to, to, to sort of lash out in some way. It was, it was very scary. Thankfully, I never did that. And then finally, the third sort of emotion that came by in those cycles after, after I'd sort of run out of steam of this anger was like an, like an empty sadness, like a kind of like an extreme version of like, you know, if you're that way inclined, like I am watching some sort of sad rom-com or something like that, where it, mm. or set movie where it was, I just, you know, I just felt like I, I really wanted to cry all the time. And the weirdest thing about all of it, as I say, is at no point were my thoughts in my head controlling the reactions. It was just happening. It was almost like the next one popped its head in and said, right, this is how you're going to feel now. And after a couple of times of that, I began to feel like what I would describe as emotionally unstable. Like I just, it felt very almost out of body. Um, you know, the best way I can describe it, Mark, is if, you know, sometimes you wake up in the morning and you don't know why, but you just feel a little bit grumpy about something. And like you, you just, people say you get out on the wrong side of bed, but it's kind yeah. of, the, the, not the feeling it's like a much more extreme feeling of that but you don't really know why but you just feel that way and it's that cycle was was a pretty scary time so as I say that naturally would make anybody feel quite unstable at that point while trying to live their day-to-day life so Luke was that the the same every day like was it the heaviness in the morning followed by the rage in the afternoon and then sadness at night or was it it was quicker than that, Mark. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, it was like in in like the morning between like I don't know. Let's say for argument's sake, nine to twelve. I would go through like uh, a small window of I don't know. Let's say half an hour, hour of feeling that way and moving into the next thing. So it was. It was actually the frequency was way higher. Oh, the way whole cycle was was repeating within three to four hours. Yeah, and Multiple then it would start again, and it was exhausting, and it felt like. Uh, it felt like completely out of control. I did notice actually looking back now that once I sorted my recovery pathway and, 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 you know, got the right help, that frequency slowed down over the course of later on days and weeks beyond. But at the beginning, it was just up and down um, uh, into each of the cycles. It was, it was pretty, pretty scary for me. So we're speaking today with Luke Bird going through some very personal uh, events in his life. And if you're listening, like I am right now live, thinking, my gosh, I feel almost like we're violating your privacy. We're doing this <laughs> with your permission, Luke. So thank you for for, for sharing that. Um, you know, it's interesting, you talked about the emotional aspect of it. Uh, Christian author C.S. Lewis said when his wife had passed, that he didn't realize how much grief resembled fear emotionally. And uh, it's an, an interesting way of looking at it. So let me just remind everyone here. So Luke is a dad and he's a manager at work. And so after the loss of your sibling, when did you go back to work? Did you take some time off? And then once you got back to work, when did you start to feel unstable? So uh, I lasted like maybe... Uh... It, well, it happened over the weekend, um, and it all happened so quickly as well. This really was unexpected. So 
I was going through the cycles that we just described. I was going in to, over the weekend and into the start of my work working week. So I, I maybe lasted a couple of days at work uh, before I raised my hand and took a leave of absence. I guess like, you know, anyone would be in that situation. I, I honestly couldn't trust my reactions on difficult calls. Um, you know, you, you might, with any of those emotions I just described, you, you you don't know what you might say to someone. I mean, you know, sometimes it can be difficult conversations about deadlines and, uh, you know, it's, it's a challenge. So yeah, sitting on Zoom calls with all those emotions and that in mind, it, you know, it takes forever to build respect and credibility and only seconds to lose it. And I, I couldn't concentrate at all and I was exhausted. And that alone will make you make difficult, uh, make you make incorrect decisions and statements. So, I mean, it amazes me on reflection that some people can go on and on at a senior level and, and not ask for experience, not ask for help after experiencing something similar. And even if they're really struggling inside, it's it's actually quite frightening. But yeah, to answer your question, I um I I took about well, yeah, I guess it was about four or five weeks off with a phased return to build myself back up after that, which having spoken to professionals that's actually pretty quick in comparison to other people that go through something similar. Um, it's absolutely not a badge of honor. I just felt ready. I had a very strong support network and I just felt ready after all the support that I'd received. And of course it, that would be diff- different for absolutely anybody, but yeah, it was probably about five weeks after that, that I managed to start a phase return back to work. But basically you didn't take any time off initially, you thought, okay, I'm going to just work through this. And uh, then you realized this is too much. I need some help here. Yep. I don't know if it's a, a, a just a, ma- a predominantly male mindset of just trying to carry on. You have scenes of those guys that coming out of the supermarkets with huge like, like bags and bags of shopping, thinking they can make it to their car with their fingers bleeding. You know, it's just a, it's a really silly mindset of, 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 of what I think of my father back back in the day, but yeah, I, I really I I can't believe now looking back that I even tried for a second to remotely carry on. But as I say, a continuity and resilience practitioner is typically thought to be able to do that. And on the whole, I'd been through incidents, I'd been through hard stuff, and I just thought you'll get you know keep going, and that was the wrong decision. I, I want to dig a little bit deeper on that if you're okay you said you didn't feel like you could trust yourself in a professional environment and that internally even though maybe nobody else saw it this way you felt like you were out of control and you were definitely scared what if you don't mind talking about it was the trigger that made you come to the conclusion that you were out of control and what were you afraid that you might do in that professional setting no, that's a good question. There's probably a couple of things. Um, so on reflection, obviously the swinging pendulum of feelings that just seem to pop up and occur to be replaced by another one hour after hour, obviously that made me initially feel that something wasn't right. But actually at the time, it's when I sought help from these wonderful mental health nurses and my GP, um, general practitioner, doctor, just, you know, I don't know if that's the same in the States. Um but it was their reaction, actually, and how quick it was that told me something wasn't right. 
when I described to them what was going on with me, whilst I was, I'm glad that they reacted as they did is the pace that they did. It kind of scared me a little bit because I hadn't experienced that before. And it, they just wanted to be sure that I wasn't a risk to myself or other people, which is the right thing to do. I mean, thankfully I wasn't. And I have to say now to be clear, there was it for me, my own personal experience. I never once at any point in this, in this personal sort of account, did I ever consider like self-harm, suicide, hurting anyone else. Um, even with the rage emotions that, that, that never got to that level, but it was something that you could see that there was the professional's immediate priority. And that made me go, wow, I really can't be in a professional working environment at the moment because of the way this, this reaction that's occurring um, because they move so fast to help me. So. All right. So Luke, we're coming to the end of time for episode one, but I mentioned at the top, this is going to be a two part episode. So next week when we get together, I want us to talk about therapy and the different steps you took to move through this and maybe some lessons learned and how your professional career is helping you deal with the emotional aspects of your personal life. So uh, that's in episode two of this little segment and uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Before we wrap today, any closing thoughts on what we've talked about so far? No, I think I'm actually really looking forward to episode two because it focuses on the part that I really want to drive home. Uh, and that is about the, the steps I took to help myself and the recovery pathways. Um, because I think that, as I say, that's the, the greatest benefit. But we couldn't do episode two without episode one. And as I said, I want something like this on your platform, uh, my voice, and others to act as the driver for more um, more sharing in this space. So yeah, it's um, it may be on there may be people listening that think this is particularly uncomfortable. Uh, there may be people thinking this is career suicide for Luke uh, in terms of presenting a, a weakness. Um, it's uh, it's an important thing to do, and I'm something I'm very passionate about. And I'm I'm taking what was a very difficult experience for me to provide help and assistance to other people that I know are struggling and and hopefully this will 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 help them sort of relate to it and then listen to the second episode and see how I approached what was a very unusual set of circumstances as we've discussed. Luke thank you for doing this I appreciate you uh, being so open with us and uh, uh, for our listeners uh, tune in to the next episode and uh, we'll keep the story moving forward so thank you Luke. Thanks, Mark. Wow. Thanks to Luke Bird for being willing to share his own personal struggles in order to help someone else who might be going through something similar. On behalf of myself and Clear Risk, I just want to offer a huge congratulations to Luke for his incredible courage. If you're struggling with depression, grief, stress, or anxiety, learn from this. Step back and take some time for yourself. Ask for help. We continue this conversation next time as Luke tells us how he worked through the most difficult time in his life. So join us, won't you, as we continue our resilient journey.